I'm Coach Corey Wayne, and this is my video coaching newsletter. And the topic of today's newsletter is going to be boring beta mail. I've got an interesting email I'm going to go through with you today. This one's actually from a woman. And she was married to her previous husband for about 15 years, and they had two kids together. And the reason I chose to go through this email is because you can see from the email, from a woman's perspective, what actually happens to her as far as her feelings of romantic attraction when he's doing things right versus a guy who's boring, who's a beta male, who's too nice. This particular woman and her husband, when she left him, she really couldn't explain to him why she was choosing to divorce him because she said he was loyal, he was a, a good father, he was a good provider, he was nice, he was helpful, but obviously something really big was missing that she couldn't put her finger on. And After reading my book and going through my work and watching a bunch of videos, the light bulb started going off in her head. So I thought it was a great email to share because you can actually see from a woman's perspective what things the guy did that turned her off and ruined attraction caused it forced her to move into her masculine energy which was not her natural essence and eventually she resented it so cuz when i in my coaching practice i'd say at least probably 30 40% of the guys that i do phone sessions with that i that are having dating relationship type problems fall into this category where there's something that they're doing or that they're no longer doing in their lives and and how they focus on their purpose, their mission, how they stay centered, how they maintain their emotional self-control. So I focus – I have a lot of clients that I focus on this particular topic with. So I have a quote that I wrote and then we're going to go through her email because the idea is to learn from what this guy did. Especially if you're somebody, a guy who's watching this who's in a long-term relationship or a marriage and things aren't going real well or you're trying to, trying to fix things. So the quote says, the outer world tends to match our inner world. How we view ourselves will determine how other people view us as well. When we see ourselves as being amazing and deserving, we will act accordingly and attract people who will reinforce and vibe with our perception. When we see ourselves as being undesirable and undeserving, we will act accordingly and attract people who validate this perception as well. And especially guys that are having a problem attracting women or they're not able to keep them around or they're always like, well, I can't find anybody that's interested in me. The biggest part is how you view yourself. I did a video a while back called It's Not Your Looks, It's Your Vibe. And that'd be a, for those of you that have that problem, that'd be a good companion to watch to, in addition to this particular video. Because it's all about how you view yourself. How you view yourself determines how you will allow every person on the outside to view and interact with you. When we love and accept ourselves, we allow others to love us. When we don't love and accept ourselves, not only will we not allow others to love us, but also deep down, we won't believe anything good that they see or acknowledge about us. Especially any of you have, have dated somebody that tends to be needy. It's like no amount of compliments, no amount of reassurance is ever 
enough. It's like a fucking black hole. Those people are kind of like energy vampires. It's just constant, perpetual reassurance. And it's never enough because deep down they don't believe it. And since they don't believe it, eventually it's a matter of time before their perception gets proven to be right anyways. So even if you reassure, reassure them today, tomorrow, it's not going to matter. They're not going to believe you. Or sometimes it's a few hours later. Especially if you date somebody that always presupposes the worst. They'll drive you up a fucking wall trying to validate and reassure the person. And that's just not normal behavior. We push away those who are not in harmony with our self-perception and attract those who are. Choose your self-talk and thoughts wisely. So let's go through her email. She says, Dear Coach, First, I want to thank you for all your insight. Your book and your videos have been not only helpful but extremely hilarious at times. Well, I'm glad I could entertain you. I write this to show your male viewers how some of the things you teach men not to do affect women like me. Women who truly want to love and adore a man mentally, emotionally, and physically. Left out spiritually. I'm a 40-year-old divorced mother of two and I was married for 15 years to a very sweet and kind man. But as you explain over and over to your viewers, he put himself right in the friend zone. He never felt that he deserved me, so eventually I had to agree with him. I'll give you an example. Like for me, when I was younger, because I grew up in a family where there's just emotions weren't expressed, affection was not freely given or received. It just you never heard the words "I love you." You didn't get hugs when. My grandparents would come over, my aunts and uncles would come over, my grandfather would reach his hand out, he'd shake my hand and just like some of the neighbors coming over, you know. There's no hugs, there's no I love you, it's just none of that stuff. And so when you grow up and you're little and you want to be loved, you want to be hugged but you mostly just kind of get ignored or you get yelled at when you do something wrong, over time as a little kid you start like, well, What's going on here? Why don't I don't I get the hugs? Why don't I get the attaboys? Why don't I hear I love you? Eventually, whatever you focus your brain on, it's going to find an answer. And so what happens is you start to look for reasons why you're not loved or lovable. And you, in essence, formulate a story or a perception about yourself that you tell yourself. And it impacts all of your interactions with other human beings. Not only in your personal life, but your professional life as well. And you know, for me, like especially like in dating and teenage years, I didn't have any I had to fumble through it and go through it. So if you have a self-perception that you're carrying around that you're not deserving, you're not loved, you're not lovable, there's something wrong with you, and it's just a matter of time before everybody else finds out what that something is, and they discard you and they treat you coldly. And for me, because I believe that about myself, it would cause me to continue to interact with other people, not only in my dating life, but also friends that I would have that would not treat me very well. Because I didn't have a very high perception of myself, I tolerated it and put up with it because, again, it validated the way I viewed myself. But as I got older and I got more experience and started to realize how 
things that happened to me when I was younger clouded the way I viewed myself, I changed that perception. I started to slowly change the story that I told myself. It was just simple things like catching myself talk. One of the things that I used to do when I was really young, I was thinking about this the other day, one of my, my, my uh, best buddies that I used to live with when I was in college, one of the things he reminded me of because you know, back then I wore contacts and I had like dry eyes and plus you know, this is way before I discovered the alkaline diet and all these different things that have really changed my paradigm over the last 15, 20 years. And so I was always going, man, my fucking con- – you know, I would, I'd go out and I'd have a few beers with my friends and my eyes would get so dry I'd blink and my contacts would fold up. And I'd be out in a club somewhere or a bar with my buddies you know, blinking, trying to – trying to, you know, and then fumbling around with a contact without having any cleaner or anything. It was just a pain in the ass and I was always complaining about it. And one of my friends years later when we were in our late 20s, he was, he was like, yeah, I remember. You were always bitching about your contacts. And I remember him saying something to me when we were like 21, 22 years old. He was like, he's like, dude, Corey, all you do is bitch, man. You're always, you're always complaining. Like what I realized was like that's – members of my family were like that. We tended to point, point out – especially like my mother would point out things to be negative about or look at that or that sucks. And so I form a perception of relating to other people by pointing out things to complain about. As I got older, I realized I was complaining about things just because that was a way to bond and connect with other people because I learned that in my own family. And I was just getting into Tony Robbins and self-help back then when I was 21, 22 and, and studying his stuff. And I started catching myself and when I felt the urge to say something, a bitch or you know, if my contact had followed up or something or my eyes were just burning because they were dried out because you know, back then when I was 10 in bar – you know, this is like the early 90s. People still smoke like fucking chimneys. And I remember that bar that I worked at. It was just like when that place would get packed, it would be fucking smoky. Or you'd go home at like 2, 3 in the morning and you had to take a shower. And, and the shower, after you got done taking a shower, would smell like a fucking ashtray. So that used to really dry my eyes out. But I was just – when I would think about that and I would think about complaining, whether it was about my context or anything in general – because I was so used to that because of the environment I grew up in, I started consciously thinking about the things I thought about myself and things I was going to say about myself for what we were doing to other people. And if it wasn't something positive, I just chose not to say it anymore. And it was just really just a conscious effort day in and day out. When you spend your whole life, when you spend multiple decades being a certain way, thinking a certain way, acting a certain way, it takes time to change those perceptions. But you know, the key is to become aware of it. Become aware of your own self-talk. Is this going to make me look good? Is this going to make me look confident before I say what I'm about to say? Is this going to make me look more masculine and desirable and sure of myself? Or is this going to make me appear like I have a negative view of myself? By the time our marriage ended, I saw him more as a brother than a lover and I never quite understood why I felt that way about him. Well, when the sexual polarity is not there, that's what happens. You know, if you've got a guy whose natural essence is masculinity and he's with a woman, obviously you, and your natural eminent essence is feminine energy, if he's more of in his feminine or he vacillates back and forth, 
there's just not going to be any sexual polarity. And when there's no sexual polarity and there's no sexual attraction, then the vibe of just being a good buddy, a good pal, a good friend comes up. And obviously that's not the way you want to feel about somebody that you're supposed to be in an intimate sexual relationship with. I mean it literally – a guy can go from acting like an alpha male one moment and if he just completely starts acting like a beta male, the next being unsure of himself, putting himself down, complaining, the sexual attraction. I mean it instantly evaporates. Same thing with a woman. If you're a masculine man and you're attracted to very feminine women and then you're with a woman who's not – who goes from acting very feminine, very sexy to kind of acting like a dude – trying to be the leader, trying to make all the decisions. Just the same thing. I mean instantly the sexual attraction just it evaporates. You can literally feel it happen. She says, I decided to finally listen to my gut instinct. Well, I've come to learn at this point, almost 47 years, your feelings are your truth. Listening, listening to your gut and trusting that, it's really hard because especially in the West here, that's just not something that you're really supposed to do. You're supposed to do what's reasonable or what's expected of you. You're supposed to kind of conform and be like everybody else but that just makes you miserable. I decided to finally listen to my gut instinct and just try a different kind of life. He didn't seem to have done anything that could have labeled or could be labeled as wrong. He was loyal, he was helpful, he was nice and a good father. So it's like on paper, that sounds great. Sounds like a great dude and I'm sure he probably is a great guy. So what's the reason for the feelings not being there? Let's take a closer look. Even though he still demanded an explanation for the divorce, I could not give him any specific thing that would make sense to him or to me. On the surface, he was the perfect man by romantic comedy standards and I felt like a failure for not being able to be in love to this very nice, attractive man. Again, if the dude's not centered in his masculine energy, it's just not going to be there. During our marriage, I became his best friend. He had no other friends. His shrink, he suffered from depression and a lack of self-confidence and so did I. I was his cheerleader and I convinced him to get his master's degree. I was his nurse. I was his mom. I was his everything. So instead of being an equal and a teammate and a partner, he made you his mommy. He made you his nurse. He made you his therapist. Probably sought approval, wanted you to tell him what to do. More than likely, he probably had a kind of a domineering mother. And if his father was around, the father was probably dominated by the mother. That's what I saw in my family. And when you see that in your family, you're just like, well, I don't want to rock the boat, don't want to piss anybody off, I just go along with everything, I'll be a people pleaser. Women love a man who has a fucking spine, who stands up for himself and just simply says, no, I don't want to watch that movie or no, I don't feel like sushi tonight. No, I don't feel like pizza tonight. No, I don't feel like Italian tonight. Let's do this or let's do that. 
I went from being a very sexy woman to a very unhappy and frigid one who had to think and operate like a man. Still, I chose to engage in sex to preserve and build up his fragile ego. I hoped that all this love would eventually turn him into the man I really needed and I really wanted, a strong and confident man who I could adore and rely on and have amazing, playful sex with. So in other words, you tried to fix him. I'll make him better. He's a great guy. He's got so much potential, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. We all do that. All men, all of us men and women, we tend to to think, well, they're not really quite where I want them to be, but just a little bit of, a little bit of axle grease, a little bit of bondo, some bungee cords, some rubber bands, some duct tape, fix that guy right up. You either love somebody as they are and the way they are and assume more than likely they probably aren't going to change too much and you accept that that's the way they are or you keep searching until you find somebody who is. I mean think about it from a job perspective. If you got if your job sucks, you can either suck it up and put up with it or you can be on the side in your free time be looking for a better job or be working to acquire skills on the side, going to school or something along those lines to improve your skills and, and increase your value proposition as an employee so you can go out and get a better job and actually do something about it. After all, he was the father of my children. But like, I, like you say, a woman doesn't want to teach a man how to be a man. I lost a lot of respect for him and secretly resented him for being such a pussy. That's as predictable as the sun coming up in the east and set in the west. My breaking point came when I decided to go to respiratory therapy school to help our financial situation. The pressure of school plus taking care of two small children and falling asleep almost every night listening to him talk for hours about his job took a huge toll on me. Yeah, it's making you his therapist, his mommy, not attractive. Eventually this shit wears you out. I felt like I had three children instead of two. I became deeply depressed and suicidal at the thought of being in this marriage for the rest of my life. And that that last sentence, that that thought is – that's where most people are in life. Most people major in minor things like Tony Robbins says. They kind of dabble their way through life, never really mastering anything in particular. If you don't think you're worthy and deserving of getting up every day and doing something you love for a living, you're going to make excuses for your shitty job or your shitty relationship or the fact that – you're out of shape or the fact that you don't have enough money. But if you're dissatisfied with it and you've reached the point where you're like, I've had enough of this shit. I'm, this is, I'm going to do something to change this and you decide to do something about it and then you actually take action. That's what's going to influence where you end up 5, 10, 15, 20 years from now. It's like you know, if you think about it, for those of you that have been following me for a while and 
you go and you recommend recommend my book to say 10 of your friends if you think about it how many of those friends are like yo what is that book and they actually go out and get a copy of it if you tell 10 people maybe one or two of them will actually do it and the others be oh yeah it had a time oh i got money or oh yeah i wrote that down i think i lost a piece of paper what was the name of that book again it's like until people are ex- really experiencing pain in other words they get to a point where shit's just not working for them anymore they're just not open to it so all you can do is it's like you know because I, I talk a lot about juicing vegetables and being healthy it's just like in my own family just constantly reminding my own family members and my own friends about that buying you know where, where's the juice did you make any oh i didn't no i didn't go to the store this week and you talk to him a few days later, a week later. Like, yeah, but man, I feel so much better. Like, you just constant reinforcement. Same thing. Like, if you if you're trying, if you got friends that are just flailing, and you're like, dude, I get this book that would totally help you by this guy Corey Wayne. It's just like you know, it's like you keep it, you keep it top of mind, and you remind them every so often. But I mean, at the end of the day, until they hit rock bottom, until they realize that their approach ain't working there's really not a lot you can do for them just like the addict the you know the the person's got a drug or an alcohol problem until they recognize that they got a problem and need to do something about it you, you can't help them you just you love them you support them but at the end of the day you got to let them hit the wall sometimes metaphorically i had nothing else to give and my tank was empty and i left yeah, I mean, after 15 years, he doesn't get it. He doesn't really do anything to try to improve it. And this particular guy, he never, may never do anything about it. He just say, well, it's just kind of a fluke. And he doesn't really seek to figure out what the answers were. You might even be send him, have given him a copy of my book, but it, you know, if he's not open to it, you're not going to be able to help him. Your work has been invaluable for me to understand that there wasn't something wrong with me. I wasn't perfect by any stretch of the imagination, but I wasn't wrong to feel how I felt. Totally agree with that. I mean, you deserve to be happy, and you gave the dude 15 years, and he didn't step up. I mean, at the end of the day, you gotta live your life. Because the bottom line is, the amount of days you've been on this planet, it's getting longer. The amount of days you got left, it's getting shorter, and that's reality. I've been able to reclaim my femininity and I had some fucking amazing sex now that I have been with men that have those qualities and skills that my ex-husband lacked and that you were teaching other men to develop. None of my love affairs have materialized to a lasting relationship, but I'm having fun rediscovering sex and still working on improving myself. I think that's fucking awesome. Repetition's a mother of skill. You're getting better and you're changing your paradigm by having these new experiences i'm dealing with my depression taking better care of myself and honoring or honing in on the kind of woman i want to be also i'm learning for you how to weed out the weak from the strong to have emotional self-control and avoid being in a fearful state so thanks coach you are truly appreciated keep it coming so thanks for the story there and congratulations to you for finally having the courage to leave because as you take better care of yourself and you become happier and you become more balanced at least you at least one half of the family 
is doing what you need to do in order to be a great example for your kids because it doesn't really sound like your ex-husband's in the near – any point in the near future is going to get around to doing those things. So I honor you for that and thanks for taking care of you. You make the world a better place one person at a time. So if you'd like to get my help personally, you can go to my website, click the products tab at the top of your screen and just follow the instructions for booking whichever option works for you. And I will talk to you soon.